Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we're going to be exploring the readings for Sunday, uh, July 12th, 2020. That's the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time for Cycle A. The uh, basic question that comes out of this for me is, are your hearts ready? Is my heart ready to receive the seed that God wants to plant there? As we'll see in the gospel that the seed is the word of God. So am I ready to receive what's there? Because when God plants his seed, he wants it to bear fruit. Am I, is my soil prepared so that that seed that's planted there will eventually bear fruit? We'll begin with the first reading, which is Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, quite short. And it comes immediately after that uh, passage where it says, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and thoughts over yours. So this begins with, then that just as from the heavens the rain and the snow come down and do not return till they have watered the earth, making it fertile and fruitful, etc., etc. So what God is saying is that he's going to send what we need for, for preparing our soil to be able to do that. Uh, and so we, we need to be aware of that. And it says what he's going to do is make it fertile and fruitful. Uh, and, and that fertile is to be able to bear young, to reproduce. And the fruitful it means that it's going to sprout. And uh, so what God is saying is that he's going to make sure that things happen for us. And so and then it says giving seed to the sower, giving seed to the one who sows and bread to the one who eats. And again, this is quoted in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, when St. Paul is talking about being generous. And there he says, the ones who so freely provide seed for the sower and food to eat will provide you with ample seed for sowing and make the harvest of your uprightness a bigger one. So God's going to make sure it happens. He's going to provide what, what, what is necessary to do that because when the seed is planted, it's supposed to do two things. It's supposed to reproduce so that there's more seed, so that more seed can be planted, and it's supposed to provide bread, uh, ground into flour to make bread, which is the the uh, staff of life. So it says, so shall my word be. Now we have to remember that Jesus is the word of God. So even here, it's, it, we're talking about Jesus. In a sense, it's not just God's word uh, as, as it's proclaimed in the gospel, in the, throughout the scripture, but it's also the word of God who is Jesus Christ. And you have to understand that even though Jesus was died, had died on the cross, and didn't seem to accomplish a whole lot in his three years of ministry and should have had much more, he did achieve all that God had suggested, had desired him to do in that three years of ministry. It says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. My word shall not be returned to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I send it. So Jesus achieved the end for which God sent him. So the... the it, in Zechariah 1.6, God tells us through Zechariah, but my words and statutes which I command my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts proposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so he has dealt with us. So God, the people of, of uh, Zechariah's turn understood that God had told them what was going to happen and he accomplished what he wanted to. So, and then there's another scripture which you might find interesting that I think is also goes here. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. And that's from Isaiah 40, verse 8. And so 
we understand then that God is going to accomplish all that he wants to accomplish. And the only impediment we have in our lives to, uh, to for God to accomplish what he wants to in our lives is when we get in the way, when we refuse to do what God has asked us to do, or we do we choose another way of doing it. Now, uh, with that, I'd like to go on to the gospel, which is Matthew 13, verses 1 to 23. Now, this is a passage <clears throat> that we've heard many times, and it's one that, that I have prayed over many times. And I'm going to share with you a personal insight that I have into this that I received in prayer over years, over several years as I meditated on this scripture. But he says that Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Now that, that, that little thing about sitting down is very important from, if you look at it from a Hebrew point of view, from the point of view of the pe- Jesus' contemporaries in Palestine. And where, whereas we think of when someone is getting ready to teach, they're going to get up in front of a lectern and provide their lecture there. The rabbi would always take his seat before he taught. So Jesus is so sitting down like a rabbi would to teach the crowds. So he got into a boat and sat down. So this, this, this is where he put out to shore a little bit in Peter's boat, which we also read about in Luke. And it says, everybody stood along the shore. Now, those people that have been where this talk took place tell me that it's that the way the terrain is situated, it's a natural amphitheater there. And he said, then he goes, he says, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed, as he sowed, some fell on the path. Birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. And it sprang up once. And because the soil was not deep, when the sun rose, it was scorched and it withered for lack of roots. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some fell on rich soil and produced fruit a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. And then he tells whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, let's, I'm going to go into the explanation of this, because if you, if you look, he goes on and talks about, you know, that he's hiding things from people, He's not speaking plainly. He's speaking in parables because they're not ready to hear anything else. And so what we have here is uh, something similar to what God told Isaiah when Isaiah was called, when he heard, saw God in the temple, in his vision, and he responded to God's call. And God said to him, go and say to this people, hear and, and hear, but do not understand. See and see, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people fat and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their ears, eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So what in the New Jerusalem Bible, it's talking about that what God is saying to Isaiah is that your message is going to be incomprehensible to them. And so they're not going to be able to respond in the same way. Jesus is saying, if I spoke the plain and open truth to these people, they wouldn't understand and they wouldn't respond or and sometimes like when he preached uh, in Capernaum on the uh, I am the bread of life, uh, when, when he talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, people understood what he was saying, and they didn't want to hear it. They couldn't comprehend what he was trying to say. But it's, it's, it's there that we do that. And, that, and down, low, down below, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. Now let's look at, let's look at what he's talking about in the explanation. Uh, 
And here's where I'm going to get into a personal experience with you of understanding of this. As I, over the years, as I read this, I had this image pop into my head of what was going on. And I saw that uh, eventually I came to understand that I didn't have just one of these types of soil in my life. I had all four kinds of soil in my life. So let's, let's go a little bit over that. He talks about the seed that's sown in the past is one who hears the kingdom of God without understanding it. The evil one comes and steals it away. Now, what I understood about that particular part of the passage was that the pathway is, the, is, is really the place in my life where people come through. It's where I'm susceptible to others and what they have to say, and they trample the ground. If you've, if you've ever had a garden and you had somebody trample over your seedlings, you know what happens, that they do not grow. Uh, or if you don't, if you don't till up the pathway, or some some seed falls on some hard soil, it's not going to sprout. So I'm going to talk to you about that, and then I'll have to talk about that more in the future, a little bit later. But it says this: that so you, there's no nothing for it there, and and the birds of the air are basically the evil one. And so the seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word of God. And receives it at once with joy, but he has no root, and it lasts only for a time. Uh, and I've got several scriptures I'd like to share with you on this particular thing, because I think it's very important that we understand this, uh, that we are rocky soil. We had a home one time where there, we were on the side of a hill, and the hill was made up of caliche rock, with a little bit of topsoil over the top. Now this, if you don't know what caliche rock is, I'll let, I'll let you uh, look it up for yourself. And at places, the caliche rock was like six inches deep, below the surface of the soil, and other places two or three feet. Well, those places where it was six inches or less of topsoil, the, the grass that grew there in the heat of summer would just bake and die because the caliche rock was a white kind of color, and it would reflect all the, the sun's heat and it would then uh, bake the roots. Now, the other thing here is that, that the rocks are these, oh, it's, it's something that, uh, that God has explained to me in another time, is that all this stuff that I'm carrying around with me out of my past life. So we need to get rid of those. So what happens here is that you, if you don't, if the roots don't go deep enough to where it can get the soil and the nutrients, then when something happens, if the sun gets very hot or you go through a drought or you have particular problems, then you don't have the depth to get and get the water, the moisture out of the soil deep down. And so you're going to, you're going to lose it. Then the seed of the, th of the thorns is the one who hears the word of God, but then the anxiety and the lure of riches, riches chokes it out and it bears no fruit. Now I'd like to read from you Jeremiah chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. And this is com this comes uh, this comes uh, it, shortly after uh, Jeremiah's call, and, and uh, the message that Jeremiah ha has received here to pass on is: For Yahweh says this to the men of Judah and Jerusalem: Clear the ground that lies neglect neglected; do not sow among thorns. And then he says: Circumcise yourselves for a while, Yahweh. Apply circumcision to your hearts, men of Judah and inhabitants in Jerusalem, or my wrath will leap out like a fire and burn with no one to quench it in return for the weakness of your ways. So 
what Jesus talked also is that the truce and Paul, that the true circumcision is not the circumcision that the Jews practiced, the external circumcision, but the circumcision of the heart, the cutting off of the, the parts of the heart that are not there. And again, we can get so tied up in making a living and uh, putting away money for retirement and all the things that are going on in the world that we don't have time to spend time with God and to figure out what his word is saying to us. Now, then this, then it talks about the rich soil. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this image that I got. I saw this, this uh, field, and in the field, there was a thorny area. There's a part that had never been tilled, and there was a part uh, where there was a tree in the center. Now, I'm the type of person who wants to go in and get it done and get it done quickly. So initially in this particular thing, I went in and I dug down about six inches. I dug up all the rocks that I could get that were six inches down. Uh, I trimmed the tree off at the, at the base, but I didn't dig out the roots. And I pulled up as many of the thorns as I could, uh, but I left some roots there. Well, the... The, when the seed was planted, uh, it worked a little bit better, but not really that good. And as time went on, uh, God showed me that uh, uh, that what I really needed to do was to dig down six feet rather than six inches. And why the six feet? Well, basically because as time went on, the rocks that were six inches below the surface came to the surface. So I had not and, and they were still there in a fashion that, that it was not allowing the roots to grow. So I needed to go down and dig down six feet to get all of that, all the rocks down for six feet. Also, and I put those all over in a corner. Uh, and then I dug out the root, the, the stump, the tree, and I dug out all of the thorns that were there. Then started to load the dirt back in. But, and I saved the rocks, like I said. And then there was this big pile of manure over in a corner, which I was supposed to mix in with this soil to get it rich. And I'm going to read you from, uh, uh, let's see, Luke chapter 6, verses, pardon me, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. It says, Jesus told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, but found none. He said his, to his vine dresser, for three years now, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and finding none. Cut it down. Why should it take up the ground? Sir, the man replied, leave it one more year. Give me time to dig around it, manure it. It may bear fruit next year. If not, then you can pull it up. So manure is a natural fertilizer. It's an organic fertilizer. And uh, so it doesn't smell very good. But it enriches the soil. And I saw and I understood this manure to be the manure of my life. Those things in my life that are unpleasant, uh, maybe stinky. It could even be my sin. But you, in order for that manure to really be good to do what you want it to do, it needs to compost, which means it needs to rot so that it is not quite as ripe, I guess is the word, uh, and to be mixed in there. Uh, and with that, I got... A better crop. Now, what did I do with the rocks? It seemed to me that if I wanted people not to be cutting across my field, 
to be able to to grow things and have them cut across, I needed to put a fence up along the front of the uh, along the front of the field so that I had a barrier between me and the pathway. And what I understood this to be was to have boundaries in my life to where I allowed people into my life, but I had boundaries to where they just didn't have free reign to do everything that they wanted to do. Now, the other thing that comes here that you have to understand is uh, from John chapter 12, verse 25, if I can find it here, uh, it is that, uh, 24, pardon me, it, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So the, beyond that is if you, if you hold back the grain, you're not going to have the fruit bearing that you want. And <clears throat> that fruit, ha- that grain, when it dies, has to change from what it originally was. And what I understood was that this is a, uh, like a digestion of the word of God. And so that in, when that happens, then fruits can spare from, can bear in my life. And what are the fruits? Uh, John, or pardon me, Paul tells us in Galatians 5, to 26. On the other hand, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, trustfulness, gentleness, and self-control. No law can touch such things as these. All belong, who belong to Christ have crucified self with all its passions and its desires. So once you're living by the Spirit, let us, our behavior be guided by the Spirit. Let us not be conceited or provocative and envious with one another. So what what is that telling us? That And Jesus told us in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, I chose you, and I commissioned you. I, I commissioned you to go out and to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Our lives are supposed to be a life of bearing fruit. And if we do not bear fruit, then our lives are futile. We are stare, our lives are sterile. And we don't want that sterility in our lives. We want to go forth and to live lives that bear fruit. But listen to what the fruit is. The fruits are these things that are very difficult to do. I don't always want to practice love or joy. I don't always have peace, and I'm not always sure I always want to, to have peace in my life. I'm not a patient person. I'm not always kind. I'm not always good. I'm not always trustful. I'm not always gentle. And as with anybody who's a human being, there are times when I don't have self-control. And without self-control, you fall into sin, right? So what God wants us to do is have these fruits in our lives. Now, the other thing that I understand from this is that it requires continual maintenance, the garden does. You know, just because you get all of the weeds out and you plant the uh, seed doesn't mean that there aren't weeds coming back. Uh, birds can bring them. Wind can bring them in. Even with, with your thorns and thistles, they can come back in. And you didn't. You got all the roots out. You did everything that you were supposed to do. And they come back. So it requires a constant maintenance. And it will require again and again adding additional manure and things to enrich the soil. That's where we are in what we should be doing. Now... It's tough, isn't it? It's tough to do all those things. And we don't necessarily want to do them. I wouldn't want to dig down six feet to prepare the soil. I didn't, in my 
image and that thing that came into my imagination, I guess, is that I didn't want to go beyond six inches. But it took the six feet to get all the rocks out, to get all the roots out, to get the stump out. And then it also took the effort of filling it back in and mixing in the manure to make it fertile. It took the building of the fence, the rock fence, between the pathway and the and the uh, field to make that ready to go. And then it take, took the generosity of not holding back on the seed and scattering the seed everywhere and allowing it to grow and not expecting the seed to be uh, stick around. Uh, another image I had some at one point in time uh, about seed was that seed, uh, Sometimes the seed, the word of God, whatever God gives us or gives me, I want to put in lucite and put it up on a shelf so I can admire it and have other people admire what's on the shelf. That is not going to bear fruit because I have not allowed the seed to fall upon the ground and die. And it, it's difficult to, 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 uh, to want to do that. Sometimes we want to talk about our accomplishments and all that's going on in our lives. Now, if we look at the second reading, which is Romans 8, 18 through 23, uh, we will see that we've also got uh, something that's, that's maybe a little bit tied in this week, which it doesn't always. Says, I consider the, that the sufferings of this present time are nothing compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. The, the, the turmoil, uh, if you think about plowing a, a field, it's putting the soil into turmoil. And some of the unpleasantness and the sufferings that are in our lives are plowing the soil of our lives to prepare us for what's coming ahead. And you just can't do it. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. The world around us is waiting for us to come into the world and to bear fruit for it. So we just can't say that we're not going to do anything. We've got to allow God to bring into our lives what needs to be there to be uh, to bear fruit. For creation, creation was subjected to futility. That is that God's permissive will after the fall of Adam caused things to happen that didn't make it easy to bear fruit in our lives. And he told Adam that he'd... he'd He'd till the soil by the sweat of his brow. And he didn't mention to Adam that there'd be droughts and floods and pestilence and, and locusts and all that kind of thing, but it's there. And so, but we're, we're waiting for that to happen to where we set free. God is waiting for us to bear fruit. We are waiting to bear fruit. And then what God tells, tells us, along with what he said in uh, uh, Exodus 22, 29, to the people of God, as, as, as they were meandering around in the desert, that they were supposed to, off, you shall not delay to offer the fullness of your harvest from the present outflow. So the first fruits, the feast of the first fruits, give the best that you've got to God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. I know that it's, again, that's something that's very difficult. We also groan with ourselves as we await adoption, the, for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We are adopted sons and daughters of God, and we're waiting for our our final end. Uh, we may not always want to die today. It's sort of like the guy that said, somebody asked him if he wants to go to heaven. He said, yes, but not today. 
he wanted to live one more day of his life. And so we have the we have all of this going on in our lives, and it's so difficult to, de- to determine what it is that God wants. But sometimes the difficulty is that we just don't want to expend the effort or to have the disruption in our lives that will make us be the person that God wants us to be. Now, the responsorial psalm talks about, again, it's from Psalm 65, and it talks about how God takes the land, he provides the water, he plows the ground, he breaks up the clods, uh, he does all the things that are necessary to give a harvest. And we, when we have a harvest, when we have the fruit, it's not really, it's God has done it. It's not, we've done our part, but God has done his part so we can have that harvest. And I'm going to bring it to a close right now. It's a little bit earlier than I normally would. I thank you so much for uh, being a part of this podcast. Uh, and I, I really hope that they are benefit, these podcasts are of benefit to you and they enrich your life. I know I learn a lot and recall a lot when I prepare for them. Have a good week, and God bless you.